kind of hills where if, if you hit them at like 5k, I'm sure it'd be okay. Or if you're just doing them on a normal run, you'd kind of slow down, but you'd jog your way up them. But at this point, you're just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Right, welcome. Here we are. We're back, Matt. It's been, it's been almost a, good a while. Year. I think have you counted? It might be almost a year. I was doing the show notes, and I think the last ones were for September 2022. So September yeah. 2022s. Oh, I didn't know we'd done one after that. Right, but anyway, we're back, um, and we've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot to go through. Hang on, we need to stop. We need to stop because you say we're back. I think we need to hit the brakes for a second. What do we mean by we're back? And what are we going to be going forward? Well, we're back because for a year, two years, we've done Attack the Pod. It was really successful and we spoke about everything triathlon and we've not done it. We've basically took a, a sabbatical for about a year, right? Yeah. And so we're back from that and going forward, I think we're going to give it a little bit of a refresh and a rebrand, right? Yeah. So now we're T1. T1, which is obviously the coolest triathlon term there is. We did have some yeah, others yeah, yeah. in mind, right? We were thinking... Tripod, yeah. We See what we did there? It's a <laughs> podcast for triathlon. But it also, yeah, it could also be photographers. So we thought we don't want to get confused with that. Yeah. And uh, T1 is just cooler and easier to say. So we're going to we're going to rebrand. We're going to call it T1 going forward. And we're going to focus on everything triathlon. Triathlon news, all our goings on, all of our friends and fellow clubmates and whatever's going on uh, in, in the triathlon world. And who are we? Yeah, I'm Neil. And uh, I, I don't know, I was looking at the notes here and it's, you know, I'm looking, well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking at the notes and I'm looking at yours and it's ex-swimmer, more than a decade of training, racing, coaching, you're actually my coach, which we should mention. Um, <laughs> and then I thought, well, what did I say? <laughs> so I'm feeling a bit sort of um, not really any of them, but I guess I could call myself a triathlete. My, Definitely can. Yeah, I wrote down here nothing really, and then I wrote mountain bike, and I used to do mountain biking all through my teenage years. Well, all through from about 15 up to about 20, I was a mountain biker. And then it was really drinking and partying up until about the age of 33, 34. And then I started to do triathlon. So I, I don't really know how to describe my... my I think uh, that's a good way in. It's a good I think way that's in. A, you'd be, well, really surprised by how many people <laughs> share a similar story to some degree or another. Like that's true. Being somewhat sporty, somewhat, you know, do something as a kid, like swimming, running, yep. cycling, football, whatever it is, then kind of lose that, you know, for a, a decade or two and then yeah. come back to start getting, yeah, challenging themselves and doing something new and then find sort of endurance sports and triathlon on the way. I think that would be generous because um, I never even done it to any sort of level. I used to just play around in my mountain bike and, you know, I look at some of my friends who were competitive and things like that. But anyway, here I am now. I'm looking forward, like our tra like our, uh, like our like our podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. yeah. So I've, I've done many uh, triathlons. I've done an ultra marathon, done shorter running races. So yeah, that's me. What about you, Matt? Tell us about you. You've stolen my intro yeah, now. I <laughs> so as a swimmer, as a kid, I also got into the drinking and partying kind of harder, put a load of weight on, got very unfit. And then about 10, 12 years ago, I was living in Dubai and started to get in shape. Some sort of uh, friends and housemates were doing triathlons, which looked 
like absolute madness, but they <laughs> persuaded me to take a bike out and quite enjoyed that and started swimming again. And one thing led to another and I was, before I knew it, I was coming second to last in the triathlon. So, <laughs> Which um, is good because you went last. <laughs> and then since then I've like picked up a few places along the way. And, and by uh, complete yeah, contrast, been, you got first at a race yesterday, didn't you? Yeah, well, that was, it is only a local race. So local yeah, tri first first. stuff, just a sprint triathlon. But yeah, so, um, but it sort of gradually improved uh, as I've gone and, and sort of totally fell in love with the sport, became a massive triathlon geek along the way, whether it's it's like pro side and coaching and doing coaching badges and all those things. Yeah, that's what got us here. Also, I think kind of relevant to a lot of people. I'm we've both got full time jobs, both fathers. I've got three kids between two and eight. Pretty busy life as yeah, well. You, you've got it harder um, than me. Mine's is sixteen now. <laughs> so, yeah. But which would be good if he was into triathlon, but he's not really. But we can't have everything. <laughs> and we should mention how, well, how, how if he was faster than you though, then yeah, <laughs> that would be. Uh, <laughs> that's why he's not into it. He really wants to, but. <laughs> and we should also mention how we met. So we actually both were founding members of our, a club in Amsterdam, uh, Amsterdam Triathlon Cycling Club, which is where the podcast was born. And that's why it was previously branded at Attack the Pod. And that's how we met. We yeah. were both on the committee at the beginning. And then then you coached me. You've coached me pretty much since then, right up from my, my first triathlon, which was in a swimming pool, right up to what I'd done at the weekend, which we'll talk about, which is what the theme of this podcast is about, actually, which is a good yeah, segue. Well, I think you need to let it out. You need to, we need to say that so what did what do we do last weekend yeah we both done challenge roth which is a full distance triathlon yeah so for anyone who doesn't know it's challenge different brand from ironman but it is an ironman distance race yeah and we'll uh, i think we're gonna dedicate most of this episode to, to different forms of conversation about challenge roth yeah we are we're going to hear from from other people that done it and actually i just put a post in our club whatsapp group saying fuck iron man and actually i still sort of believe that, Stand by that. <laughs> although i still i still will do them but after doing roth nothing is going to come close that but we'll come back to that anyway we'll get to the end of this we've only got one other thing to sort of cover and that i think is what can people expect from the podcast and so i briefly covered it in the beginning and it's really just everything related to triathlon we're going to try and get some special guests on we're going to try and cover all the topics that people want to hear about with regards to triathlon cover some of the news in the triathlon world i mean have i missed anything the previous incarnation as you said we kind of managed to hopefully strike a balance of being not taking things too seriously but also coming up with hopefully you'll get a few decent nuggets of information each episode episode as well, which you can kind of take with you, whether it's about, I don't know, run training or preparing for your first race or, or even hopefully for next episode, if you're looking into the world of like ultra distance triathlon, then yep. um, you'll find some sort of tips and tricks you can get along the way. So increase your knowledge and also make your training go a bit faster if you're listening like on the bike or on the treadmill. And like previous episodes, I think we'll try to cover themes. We'll try and make it thematic based on the episode as, as much as we can, which is which is really good. And as you mentioned, I think we should talk about the next uh, episode, which we're going to have Anna Bidnarczyk, fellow club member of ours, who just done a double Iron Man in Germany. So she's going to come on and tell us all about her journey and her story. So that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, really good. Really good. I was good. thinking about getting her on before my full distance and then I thought it might just freak me out. So I'm glad we, we never, never <laughs> arranged that. That could have been a bit uh, not so great. Right, let's move on then. What have we both been up to since the last episode? So you've been, I don't want to go through everything we've been doing for the last year. But, yeah, but you've I had thought, a few key events that have been both good and bad. Yeah, exactly. Shall I start quickly? Because yeah, mine's yeah. quicker than you. Or, well, no, mine's probably more complicated. But I was training for a few things at the end of uh, last summer, a couple of 70.3s. 
And then on vacation in Italy, took my bike there. And while the kids were sleeping at lunchtime and my wife was having some downtime, I was sort of getting out on the bike and doing a few rides here and there and uh, up alongside Lake Garda on a beautiful hillside looking over the lake. I got completely T-boned by a tractor, went over the top, broke my collarbone, my elbow, my wrist, a couple of fingers, ended up in hospital in Italy and my season came crashing to it. It's really funny actually, as you, as you go over a vehicle, I, this is my first big crash like that. And I literally remember in my head going like, well, I think my ride's over. No, this is going to impact the holiday. <laughs> no, my season's done, isn't it? Like I literally sort of went through that sort of process as I was going. But yes, yeah, so obviously that took quite a while to recover from. And then a few months later, don't laugh, but fell off a treadmill. Um, <laughs> paying no attention, trying to do sprints, went over the front and then got pulled back. And then on the same arm, broke the wrist and completely dislocated a few fingers. So they were sort of pointing skywards into weird directions and uh, had to go and get them reset. Not the smoothest sort of run into into this season. But what it did mean is I got a chance to do loads of running because it was the only thing I could actually do. I couldn't ride a bike, couldn't swim, could only ride inside, really up my running. And then sort of going into this season, not to preempt too much, but we both did Kreisgau 70.3. So that's a, a race in Germany about a month ago. And then challenge Roth last weekend. So yeah. that's that's a sort of my year in a nutshell, my sporting year in a nutshell. Mine's just, mine's just way simpler than that. Basically, I've just been training for Roth. It was almost exactly a year ago that I entered Roth. It came about, so I had saw some people posting after they had done Roth about how amazing it was. And then the entry opened up and I had been curiously thinking about a full distance triathlon. So I, I made the decision I was going to set my calendar and I was going to enter this race. and. The night before, I was like, nah, Neil, this is a stupid idea. You full distance, come on. I decided it wasn't going to happen. And then I woke up the next game day and it was a minute past 10. The tickets go and sell at 10. It's a minute past 10. And I'm like, ah, oh, fuck it, I'm going to enter it. So I goes on the website and it's a lottery, right? You put your details in and then it says you either get in or you don't. And it says you're not getting in. And I was like, ah, it's probably for the better. It was a silly, silly thing to do anyway. I got used to the idea that I wasn't going to be doing Roth, which was silly anyway. And about four hours later, I got this email saying, congratulations, you're in. And my reaction was, fuck. <laughs> I remember thinking, <laughs> I'd just spent the last four hours realising it was it was all for like the better. Talking yourself into it. Yeah. Well, talking no, yourself around talking to myself not around being, not, yeah. yeah, that it was a stupid idea. And here I was, got and I got in. And then I sort of reframed it and thought, well, maybe this is a sign. And I basically, from that point on, up until last weekend, largely been training for Roth. And actually, I've had quite a good year. Um, so I can't complain. You know, done a lot of cycling. It might in be useful places. to what you've done a few halves before, maybe explain sort of like what your background was. It wasn't just like, I'm going to do a triathlon. Yeah, true, because I, right? I only touched on it. So I probably started triathlon, I think, six years ago and I'd just done sprints and I was doing loads of sprints and actually I realised that, you know, I was able, I was still able, to, I had this lifestyle of just going out all the time, partying, drinking, still just having a, a shitty lifestyle. And I was still able to turn up for a sprint the next day and still just perform not great but finish and I was happy with that and then I made the decision I think that I wanted to go to a half distance and uh, I remember having the conversation with you and I was thinking right that'll take a bit more training and I realised as I started training the side effect was I couldn't go out and party and have the lifestyle and everything that I had before and actually realised this was a good thing so yeah I've done my first half in 2018 I've done three so I've done four in total four halves and I'd made the decision to do Roth a year ago when I'd done three halves at that point I think so yeah that was it and I've, I've done done a lot of sprints in between and I've done some run events 
mountain biking, do a bit of that. But it was, it was a big change, I think, going from a half to full, obviously, it's quite a difference in terms of the training, which I think we'll talk about. But yeah, that was it. that was how it came about. So I think we should just go for this now and just dive into the full Roth story, since we're on a roll now. So tell me, like, how did you find the training? Like, obviously, we've spoken about this sort of on and off over the last while, but like, how did you find the training? And especially, let's say, compared to someone that's, that's done a few halves, for example, like what did the training, what was it like? Or how did you feel the extra training was? Was it horrific? Yeah, I've been asked this a lot throughout the months, like what is the difference been? Because you, the jump is, is basically, well, it's double, right? The jump is significant in terms of the distance in the race. The training is not, uh, I would say, I would, you sort of have in your head, that, oh, well, if I'm doing double the distance, I'm obviously going to be doing double the training. That's not necessarily the case. It certainly wasn't in my case. And it doesn't need to be, I don't believe, not at my level. I mean, I'm sure if you're, competitive level then it's a different situation I think the volume obviously does increase and I noticed that I noticed when it got to sort of the build phase or sort of say from March I noticed a big difference in the volume and the intensity I would say that was a big thing I noticed. It sort of ramped up and my body had to get used to that. Up until that point, it was, there was longer days and runs and things, but I was expecting it, so I was ready for that. But the, the big change, I think, came around about March. It was a bit of a step change in terms of the intensity and the volume, I guess you could say as well. What I also noticed throughout was just how many aches and pains the body threw at me. I mean, I'm 41 now. And all the little aches and pains that I remember the same when I did my first half. I think you're falling apart. There was more of that came. There there's more things to pay yeah. attention to and that's some things that you've just got to live with and also uh, I'm going to have to try and address for future but I noticed that it wasn't unbearable you have some long weeks and long days and weekends and stuff well here I am a week after Roth and I'm kind of missing it in a weird sick sort of way post time on blues totally so, always comes. Uh, I mean, that you miss. I would say there's two things here, and like sort of skipping ahead. But firstly, your body's got used to a certain level of training, right? So even in taper weeks, that's what kind of has you feeling a bit antsy and a bit flat, and all those things is that you've gone from this sort of level of training, at whatever it is, whether it's 10, 15, 20 hours a week, you know, at the higher end, then, and then you you back down to very little and especially in recovery almost nothing so you miss that but also you've just had this big goal on the horizon which yeah. everything's been about mentally for such a long time and then all of a sudden you take that away it's like the week after a vacation yeah. <laughs> when you get back to work and you're like oh shit i'm here yeah. again <laughs> like, i'll tell you one of the surprises i mean i've had the sort of post uh, race blues type thing before but one of the things i was surprised at and, and and then you start to question your race is that my body recovered quicker than i thought it would so like my my legs were good from Wednesday, not even yeah. a, not even a niggle in my leg. And the, the day after was quite sore as it is after most races, but I thought I would be worse. So then you start to question, ah, you know, I could have went a bit harder on the run and <laughs> I could have done this, which is true. I could have because it was my first. I was really dialing it back and I had to or it would, well, it would have probably went a lot worse. Yeah, it's funny how you think once you get to that point. Yeah. One of the conversations we had beforehand was sort of like, were you going to do crash cow? Like, were you going to do a half beforehand? Because you were kind of knew that you kind of wanted to, but you also thought it would mentally sort of screw with yeah. your head. Like, you've only done half the distance and, yeah. and all that. Like, in retrospect, do you think you needed to or do you, did you find it helpful or what would you say about that? Physiologically, I think it helped me without a doubt to race. I haven't done many, I haven't done any races 
games this year and I didn't do an awful lot at the tail end of last year either if I remember correctly I think I'd done a sprint maybe in October so I think for the body it was good mentally it did mess with my head I knew it would that's not to say it wouldn't have messed with my head even more going straight into Roth completely blind I think it's more just the way it works like I have this sort of like imposter syndrome you know I'm not the typical sort of triathlete I think if you look at me and I think there's always that doubt is sown and this done that and you know I was even saying it to you when we were out riding after it I'm like right how do you frame your mind knowing that you've had such a tough day we'd done a 160k ride and there was a lot of climbing and I was absolutely burst and I remember saying how do you mentally frame it that you've got to now do a 42k run after that and things like that so mentally I sort of torture myself and I was feeling that and, and I was having a hard time the 10 days before the race mentally and it's because it was the first one I remember having the same for my first half and I think going to the next one I'll be totally fine I'll be a lot more relaxed yeah but it was nowhere near as scary as I thought it was going to be but that's due to the training right that's due to the physiological side I think just getting things right so yeah that that was that was kind of how I felt yeah it's a weird thing with especially with the first one that to some degree it's nothing you've done and, and this is what you tried to say as a coach this is nothing you haven't done before right that's what the training's there for that's what you're you're getting yourself in the step into the into the fitness level where where it isn't anything you've done before but at the same time it kind of is something you haven't done before because <laughs> yeah, you don't together. go out every weekend and do an Ironman so that sort of balance between the two things just on the training hours as well something I think it's always good to remember and I point out to a lot of athletes who get sort of a little caught up with this and like you know I don't know if I've got double the time or whatever it might be is uh, like at the pro level Olympic distance athletes train more hours than Ironman athletes oh well, I never knew that like the faster you need to go the more hours you probably need to log the more intensity you need to log all those different things at least maybe the same ultimately for their level like when you're doing 35 hours of training a week you can only do 35 hours of training a week and recover and eat drink you know all yeah. those things that you need to do so it's just the mix it's just how you use those hours and it's the same for an age group athlete if you've got 10 hours a week and you do sprint triathlon then you can probably use those a little bit more to get fast you know you can you don't need to be doing stupidly long rides so then you can focus on a bit more intensity all those things if you've got 10 hours a week to do Ironman training you just need to mix it up so that you're getting the right physiological you know you're getting those long rides in you're getting the long runs in which you do need but you know like everyone's only got the time they have so anyone can get ready for an Ironman in that way. You don't need to think of it in this sort of ridiculously overwhelming thing. I think it just then if you know that you're going to be on the shorter side or, you know, not be able to put huge hours to it, that you start earlier. And like you said, for, for you, like we were able to kind of keep ticking over a decent level over winter and it wasn't huge, but you were going into spring in good shape kind yeah. of thing. You you know, like when you went, you did a training camp in Mallorca with the team and, and stuff in, what was that, April? Uh, and that we knew you in decent shape to you know get through some good rides there and get some good good volume in on the bike yeah that helped and I noticed a big change in my fitness from them but also yeah I mean just in in numbers sense because some people might be thinking about it um, I think my hardest days or hardest weeks was around about the 16 hour mark they were the longest 16 17 hours and you know I'm a low end age grouper do you know what I mean so you know obviously if you're competing for podiums and stuff that then don't listen to that you know on average it's probably 11 to 12 hours it doesn't need to be crazy and some were less and, and some were slightly more 
course. So yeah, that was pretty good actually. So should we get into the race and the, the whole experience? Yeah, let's do it. Let's so let's start. You you done this race first of all actually in twenty fourteen, didn't you? Yeah, this is a second time at Roth. Yeah, second time and we're what, six nine years on? Was that nine years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You had the bad Incredible. race. Well you had a good race the last time, but a bad race in that you almost collapsed or you did collapse at the finish line because you were so burst, right? I ended up in the med tent on IVs last time. So <laughs> it was thirty something degrees on the run and um not actually as sunny as this time around it was actually quite but quite humid right and then yeah i just i don't really remember the last kilometer so well and then just sort of woke up uh sort of on a table with a yeah. couple of yeah with a IV bag. but oh, the good news is that stuff is uh it's magic yeah so <laughs> that, that great afterwards <laughs> but so yeah I, so that didn't happen this time so that's that's an improvement right how, how did your race go then let's start with you maybe i could just say after having done it in 2014 it was definitely i've done what eight nine full distance races now and that was definitely amongst the better experiences that i'll say so this one 2023 the roth 2014 so i'd say i've done some big races like barcelona italy all, all sort of well supported wales really well supported my favorites until now were Roth, but also Austria was quite close. And I didn't think there was such a huge amount between them. Like there was, I really enjoyed both. And Roth has this, you know, this reputation for this being this sort of amazing race, this once in a lifetime for every triathlete kind of bucket list race. And yeah, I really liked it, but I didn't see it to the, the that level. This time around though, like a decade later, I swear the race has trebled, maybe not in actually participation size, but in, in terms of just that, like the experience and the support, the race village is what you, there must be probably almost a hundred triathlon stores, right? On that race village. Oh, it's, it's, it's just, it's, crazy. it's like a triathlon market kind of thing. It's, it's like the biggest thing you've ever seen from brands that you've known and heard of to and all these the new. swag as well. I got my free Canyon t-shirt. I was so happy about that. And the guy, the guy's <laughs> like, well, you sign up for my whaling list. I was like, you get half my salary. I'm on your whaling list. Believe me. <laughs> Give me my t-shirt. <laughs> but I'll sign up for the fifth time. <laughs> but yeah, so that part was huge. And then like the finishing experience and all the food and drink stuff around that. But then last time, yeah, have Solarberg, which we'll talk about, which is sort of the famous hill on the bike. That was huge last time. And then the race, like the, the swim start with the hot air balloons and all that sort of stuff going off. That was there last time. But I just feel like there was not much else. Whereas this time around, like there were on the run course, for example, which is quite quite a lonely run in sections, mm -hmm. but there's sort of as you go down to the canal on the landing there and back in the town on the other side of Roth and through the middle of Roth, there was all these sort of like hot spots and they weren't there last time. So they, there was just yeah. sort of more areas of more support. I thought the experience this time around was just sort of, yeah, like I say, double or treble experience. Amazing. And now I'm like, it's head and shoulders better than any other Ironman I've done. Like it's not even a close kind of race in that way. Do you remember going through, there's a sponsor's yard. They've got, I forget the name of the sponsor, but they're one of the sponsors and you run right through their yard on the way to yeah, the like canal. A, logistics company or something <laughs> like shipping right company yeah, yeah yeah they're all sitting in, in these little tables just drinking beer cheering you on that, that was quite cool that was something i remember seeing wasn't so busy yeah. when i was going through it <laughs> it was uh that was pretty cool no it was, it was, that was pretty cool and then so yeah my race went 
pretty much as well as it could do. Obviously been a bit interrupted, as I said, with the injuries and was a bit of illness earlier this year. So, um, and the big thing about that was it impacted my cycling. Like I just couldn't spend much time on the bike or outside on the bike. I'm probably being honest, I think I didn't ride my road bike until maybe April this year from June last year. So I didn't ride a a TT bike or a road bike. Some of that was because of the injury and riding inside. Some of it's because I absolutely love riding a mountain bike and a gravel bike. Mm. But I think being honest, having a big crash just kind of made me a bit fearful of being on the road. And obviously we're lucky here in the Netherlands and everyone around the world knows the Netherlands, big bike paths everywhere. Pretty much every road, there's a cycle path. Um, We don't have to, you know, compete against cars, you know, on big highways or anything like you see in other countries. So we are lucky, but it just got into my head a little bit, I think. And I kept kind of thinking, well, I'll go out on the road next week and then ended up on my gravel bike or whatever it might be. And even if I was on the road a little bit, you know, it felt like I was on the road a lot less and fatter tires and all those things. So it took me a while to get used to that. And then I also had to change my bike, uh, my position on the TT bike because of the collarbone. So it's quite a lot more upright. So I knew I was going to be aerodynamically not as quick. I have to sort of make up for that. Yeah, I'm a super strong swimmer, I think, compared to everyone else. So I swam 52 something. So It was a good swim straight down the canal, come back. It was a bit busy for us. We were swimming through a few groups ahead, which was annoying, but obviously didn't seem to make too much difference. Bike went perfectly for me. I rode exactly my target power and rode five hours dead to lay on, on the dot. And then Bruno went out a little hot. Then it got hot. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> It was like 29 I, uh, degrees, I think, on the day, right? 29, 30. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. And and that run is pretty brutal for, what, 28K is just on, on the canal with yeah. no shade, nothing. Yeah. So, um, and I was blisteringly hot and I was just warming up and the time was coming down. And I was, yeah, I ended up running 3.33. I was a little disappointed with that. I thought I had a 3.25 in me, realistically. By the end, coming up the hill and all that, back down into Rotha, I was just sort of happy to get it done. And then I did 9.30, So I was three seconds off under <laughs> 9.30. But my watch had a, a, a minute less, so I don't know what's going on you there. What so, what's um, happened there? There's something really strange there. Eh? Something weird, yeah. Either my Garmin doesn't run true or, or something's gone wrong with the... Uh, with the challenge timing. Cause I, I would have sprinted that last bit, I think for the last three seconds, if I'd realized it yeah, was that close, whereas I had it, I had it sort of a minute clear. So, um, and did you set up all, all told it was my fastest time over the distance and well given, good. given the run in, given the sort of, uh, the lead in for me, then that was as, as good as I could hope. And, yeah. uh, yeah, especially, you know, injuries, illnesses, kids, all those things. There was always going to be a little bit of unknown about it, but I, I really, can't complain. It was sort of went to plan. Yeah. Well, as you know, I was sort of mentally killing myself, torturing myself up until the race. And then on the morning I had the flat when I got to the transition zone before the start of the race, I had a flat tire. This is a great story. That was brilliant. <laughs> so the tire was flat, but I had two hours cause I wasn't going till the one that, that was the last group. So I took it to the mechanic and he's like, is it tubeless? I was like, yeah, it's tubeless. And he's like, right, let's, let's pump it up. We pump it up. We could see some of the sealer coming out the edge of the tire. He's like, it's probably just not sealed so we shake it around seal it pump it up and it stays up and i'm thinking great so i do my swim i done a one hour 20 which for me is pretty good and how did you find the swim 
Actually, I felt like I could go for about 6K at the time, to be honest. Like, I just felt like I could keep going. I always do with swims. I think if you prepare and you do the training, the swim, well, I don't know, but I always feel like I can go longer, which is probably a good thing, because if you're knackered at that point, you've got a very long <laughs> day ahead. Of a day. Yeah. And uh, it's the closest thing you can get to a 4K swimming pool. Swim oh, that's right, great. You just rocks. go straight up, you just go round the boy, back down and back up. I mean, it's so simple. And it's in a canal, so it's like, it's... And it was you warm. Know, the, it was quite warm. And there's a lane rope down the middle that you stay, <laughs> you know, one side of. The only and, thing I mean, it's really... there's a black line along the bottom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. No, you'll not get, you, it, it's it's a great swim. And you've even got all the people cheering along the sides and stuff. And I think, I did notice it, but I, did, I tried not to pay too much attention to it. You can even see, it's even got distance markers on the side, hasn't it? Like how yeah, far you've yeah. got to go and stuff. So, I mean, it's just, it's it's just amazing. So I came out, T1, I mean, the, the, the volunteers at this race are amazing. They, they help you transition they pull your wetsuit off for you they unpack your bags they put stuff in your bags like it's just amazing it's like the vip experience so they've done that ran to my bike tires flat and i was like fuck like i actually roared like fuck so i take my bike and i'm like at this point i'm thinking oh, what if the mechanics packed up and went home and i was like nah surely not and he was still there thankfully so i took it up to him i was like it's fucked he's like right the only thing we can do is put a tube in it i was like cool put a tube in it takes the tire off and there's a tube already in it so this this <laughs> This, these tires that I thought were tubeless have been running a tube for the last year and it's so bizarre because I checked all the I've got a canyon bike and I checked all the documentation when I got the bike and it says they are tubeless there was sealer when I opened the valve when I first got the bike there was sealer came out I was oh it's definitely tubeless but it wasn't anyway so then I was oh well that explains that so he put a tube in it and off I go so that added I think six or seven minutes but he was super quick and I'm on the bike and I'm thinking, right, it's all good. And then I, it sort of hit me. I was like, shit, I don't have a spare tube. I don't have anything. I had a spare tube that I got off, off from that morning that we used to fix the to fix the flat. So I, I'm sort of going along and I'm like, shit. And I'm like, and then it hit me a couple of kilometers later. I was like, shit, not only did I not have a spare, but I just realized my front has obviously got a tube in it as well. I've been running <laughs> pressures thinking these are, these are tubeless, which is usually for me, I think 15 PSI less or something. Like it's like quite a bit less for me i've been running them like that for a year so they've always been under inflated. i was like, oh shit so i thought right when i get to the mechanic station i'll just bullshit them and tell them i've got a slow puncture but i got there and they didn't really understand english very well but it took a couple of minutes and then he gave me another tube so that gave me confidence the bike i thought went well i was cramping a bit from 140k on but I mean, that's just the way it was going to be. And then when I got off the bike, I had to hobble into T1 and I thought I was going to pass out. I was just absolutely knackered. But my time was not what I thought it was going to be. I think it was 6, 10, 6 hours 10. And I was expecting to come in under 6 at least. And, you know, I was hoping I'd be like in the 5.50s, 5.45s. I, I still don't know. I mean, we're going to go through the figures hopefully in more detail at some point. But I'm still not entirely sure where it went wrong because it felt like it was a better performance. And it's slightly yeah, under and what I can perform target at. power numbers and yeah. all that. So, yeah. yeah, we had a quick look at it and we were thinking that maybe I was just powering too much in the downhills or when, when I didn't really need to. So it'd be good to look into that. But I, th I thought yeah. it was going to be better and it was under where I think I can perform for sure so that was a bit unusual. I think also when people hear about Roth and like the fact that a couple of times now like world's best times whatever they want to call it for the long distance yeah. uh 
pro athletes records have been set in Roth. So they expect it's just this like flat and fast course, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not flat. <laughs> so, no, it's definitely not. And I don't even know what the true figure is because I've got all sorts of ascent figures between devices and other people's devices, but I think it's around about 1300 meters, right? They sell it at 1200 meters. And yeah, I think it, my watch had 2000 and my Garmin had 1500. My head, my Garmin That's, had 1500. My watch is in the 2200 or something. So I have no yeah, idea what I, it I haven't seen anybody's data that's had less than 1500 on it so yeah someone said to me they sort of sell these low just so that more people enter i mean it is what it is and to be honest it was quite nice because it took the pressure off because i'd been working things out and i was like right so i'm never getting close to 12 hours or or whatever so it took a bit of pressure off and then i started to run super slow which was the plan and then i was like right i'll do the first 10k super slow and i got to the next 10k and I thought you know what this is working I'll just keep it at this and I'll, I'll ramp it up at 20k and I got to 20k and I was still running no walking and I was like this feels okay I'm, I'll ramp it up at 30k I got to like 32k and I was like who the fuck are you kidding you're absolutely <laughs> fucked and I had a complete meltdown from kilometer 32 to 36 I think where everyone had a meltdown that stupid hill with, with all the signs it's what it kind of hills where if, if you hit them at like 5k I'm sure it'd be okay or if you're just oh, doing them fine, on a normal it's, run it's at the worst you kind of slow down but you jog your way up them but at this point you're just like what the fuck is <laughs> and there's all these signs these sort of charity signs at the sign where everyone's written things and I'm like fucking I'm not reading this and then I'm reading it and I'm like right stop reading it and that and then I'm reading it and you're reading all these ridiculous fucking signs and then there was this guy a, a German gentleman on a bike with a fucking megaphone shouting shit and I actually <laughs> sh- actually said to him will you shut the fuck up he saw my name tagged he's oh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I, honestly I was ready I would I would have you know, killed puppies at this point. I was in such a shit mood. And then I got my shit together. You know, I, I was I was struggling a bit for about 4K and, and I saw Magda, which was quite cool. So she walked with me for a couple of minutes and then I just got my shit together and actually ran home. And then I saw you towards the end, which was quite cool. I wasn't expecting, because you guys all finished before me. So that was a little bit of a lift, but I was, it was right at the end. So that was that was really good. And then I got to the end, well, got my medal, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how was the end? Like, firstly, you come into the, there's a sort of temporary stadium built there. That's you say amazing. about 10,000 people. Like, it's, it's pretty amazing. cool. It's amazing. And there's all these lights. It's getting slightly dark for me. So that was my stretch goal. And that's what I remember. My stretch goal was to get home before sunset and I remember you shouting you're going to make it before sunset and I was like well you know technically maybe but not because I thought the time had passed but I realised it's because I had my sunglasses on it was way brighter than I thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought the sun had already set and we were in that twilight zone but I made it by one and a half minutes amazing like I mean I've done a few halves and being at the finish line at Ironman and stuff, nothing comes close to this. You run right through the centre of that stadium with however many people and every single person is cheering for you like they're your best friend. And it really makes you go faster. It really, it really yeah. does. Like it was, it was amazing. How about uh, like on, on that, like first time up Solberg on the bike? That was pretty cool. This is where it's like the Tour de France where all the crowds come in and they're, and they're right around you. You know, there's no barrier or anything towards the top of that. Yeah. That was amazing. Like that was amazing. You come into the bottom of the climb and there's big, crowds but they're barriered off and then you sort of start the climb and the barriers get a bit narrower and narrower and then as you sort of 
a quarter of the way up the climb. And this is the climb only lasts probably, what, five minutes yeah, or something. Yeah, it's not a huge climb at But all. then there's no barriers. And like you say, it's literally sort of just a sea of people who part yeah. at the last minute to let you through. Yeah, it's amazing. And again, it's like they treat everybody that comes through there as like the most special person that day. That's a, that's a real sort of unique experience. You warned me how great it is the first lap and how shit it is the second lap because everyone goes it's home. <laughs> so I came round the second lap and luckily I knew that because it was like there was a man sweeping up and <laughs> if you'd been ready for that lift if you'd been really needing that sort oh, of lift man. From glad thankfully I knew about it that was amazing and, and the finish like nothing will come close to it it's like proper party atmosphere like it's absolutely yeah. banging and then there's the whole story where at the end I got handed my medal by some guy who was really nice and tried to speak to me and he was like you know how was it and I was sort of looking at him like why are you so like so interested and like what's the and I gave him this sort of I, I basically snubbed him and I, he's like how was it I says I'm fucked and I took my medal and I fucked off and I was telling people about this the day after and they were saying well there was famous people there and we were trying to figure out who it was and it turns out it was uh, Jan Frodeno in the end <laughs> only uh, the greatest triathlete of all time previous gold medalist I completely snubbed him so that's what gave me my medal he shook my hand he was the nicest person ever and I couldn't have been any worse <laughs> to him so um, I know he'll be listening to this so sorry Jan but I'm sure he accepts my apology. <laughs> so that was it. No, it was amazing. And then the after experience is just, there's this humongous tent full of food and dead bodies walking around like zombies. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, there's people collapsing as well. Saw a few and, people uh, collapse, getting, getting yeah. trolleyed away into the first aid section of the tent. I have to be honest, even, even that night, you know, I went to the party for a bit. I wasn't, oh, get me home or anything like that. And that, that's why I think I maybe never went as fast as I, as I should or could have. But I, I was feeling the whole atmosphere everything and looking back even on the monday driving home it just passed so quick <laughs> i mean for for not having an amazing well i set a pb so that's good but for it being such a long day it just passed too quick it really yeah. was, it was it was absolutely amazing i know we've got a few clips from uh a couple of other sort of friends of ours who also did their first full distance yeah there was eight, eight of us there i think we've got francesco and we've got mark let's start with francesco let's hear what he's got to say for me the hardest part constantly changes every time that I think about it. I don't know if I'm satisfied, if I'm not satisfied with what I did. Uh, the event is absolutely mind-blowing. I think for me the hardest part now is to decide actually if I want to do it again or not <laughs> and if tomorrow morning I'll try or not to get a spot because of course I, I find uh, that having had problems with nutrition and not knowing exactly how my body would react to a long distance definitely left some unfinished business between me and the race especially because I loved it it was my very first long distance so you can imagine the level of stress about every single detail trying to control it not knowing how it will go not knowing if you're ready physically mentally and I think one recommendation would be to try to do everything a lot earlier. Imagine Roth is really a small place, is incredibly small. On race day, for instance, we left in order to be there well before. And at the same time, there were 10 kilometers of a queue starting from the highway. Will I get there on time? Will I not? Will I be able to give the transition bags and stuff? Uh, sleep in the bushes on right beside the canal if you have to because yes the stress level is high especially when it's a very small place that all of a sudden sees tens of thousands of people going at the same place at the same time highlights 
it's quite difficult to decide just one because I think it is, of course, very personal, but there might be several things that blow you away at the same time. People that are very keen on following races and professionals, for instance, the fact that it's them handing you the medal when you cross the finish line, this is something mind-blowing for them. Then there are people like Neil, yeah, who doesn't even know that Frodino was the guy congratulating him. That, that is my very personal highlight. But then, yes, volunteers. For me, for instance, I was mind-blown by the kindness and professionalism of volunteers. For me, it is really... I don't know, I, I've never seen anything like that in any event that involved volunteers. That's interesting. Would I do it again the next again year because of unfinished business? And everything he says you can sort of resonate with, you know, start earlier, yeah. sleep in the bushes, all these kind of things, you know. We were talking about it with some of the others that were there that even, even camping next to the transition is probably, although it sounds horrendous, camping actually would make your morning a lot more relaxed, I think. Yeah, there are a, few, the- there are a few campsites nearby. Because like, like he says, Roth is... There is a town of Roth, but it's kind of the race is running a sort of collection of small towns, yeah. but they are small towns. And I think there's something like 18 hotel rooms yeah, in the whole Roth. of Roth. So, I mean, most people end up, if you're going for a hotel or something, it's uh, Nuremberg, which is yeah. sort of 20 minutes, 30 minutes away is the, is the was where we stayed. And that's the closest city where you're going to find a decent selection. Yeah. But then obviously you're backwards and forwards and, and stuff, which it's fine. Yeah. If I were to do it again, I'd look at, Camp. Either, yeah, camping or yeah, taking a camper van down. We we had to queue for a couple of minutes, but we seemed to be right at the beginning, didn't we? Of, of, yeah, we went early, so yeah. I think it was a good, especially because yeah. uh, Chris and I both had fairly early starts, start times. Interesting to hear his point about whether he'll enter tomorrow morning or not. Is uh, I didn't, I don't know, I wasn't expecting that. It's not for me. I mean, I'd love to do it again, but there's not every year. You know, chances are it'll probably be yeah. raining or something will come up. You know, I, I would like to do it again, but at a time when it makes more sense, when I can finish any unfinished business, and for me, that unfinished business would be to go faster and not to get a flat tire. <laughs> Unfinished business is to know what's in your bike wheel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. To know that there's a tube or not. <laughs> no, that's interesting. Yeah, because he did tell me he had some nutrition problem. It's what these full distances do to you, though. That in the moment, you're never again. Never. And, and like 30, sort of 30k into the run, you're making all sorts of bargains to yourself. Oh, um, absolutely. The amount of times that I've sort of given up triathlon and taken up cycle, <laughs> uh, sorry, like taken up tennis or golf or something. Thing. <laughs> at that point like doing the maths like what I can get from my bike and what sort of set of golf clubs I can buy in the meantime and then you get over the line you're like oh that was great that was re- that was really good but never again and then the next day if I just pushed a little harder on that section maybe <laughs> it's so true it's so true like I, I think even next game morning I was sort of like that that was that was good. It just went by so quick. I think having a couple of years off is probably a good plan, and then from, uh, from Roth for sure. Or even trying, yeah. I mean, I'd try other races if you did want to do a full again, or yeah, or if you just decide that's such a great, you know, an experience I want to have again. But then I always feel if you do something too soon straight afterwards, it's 
tends to be a bit of an anticlimax as well in some ways. Yeah, of course, so. you're trying to recreate something that will not necessarily happen. And I think that's, no, I mean, I would love to do it again, but it's not going to be in the next year or two, I don't think. I think another two or three years, because my, uh, so my wife, I, I went down solo because I've got a yep. two-year-old, five-year-old, eight-year-old. It's not the easiest race for supporters to watch. That's the only downside of Roth is because it's all this collection. It's a split transition. You kind of need to be cycling around as a supporter and it's a long day out. It's not the easiest thing to find accommodation nearby so you can't really go back yeah. to that so easily so um i think when my kids are old enough to really like enjoy the finish party and you know enjoy the whole experience and maybe all be riding bikes and stuff then i'd like to go back then and i think they'd love the experience of it they'd really enjoy taking part uh, and you know, everyone like, has their own little stories like magda was spectating and she was telling me how sore her legs were from were from spectating which made me laugh just all these little things that she had to go through during the day like meeting yeah. some random in a little cafe and using her phone charge and meeting a dog and all these kind of things. Everyone has their own stories. We have another person, uh, Mark, who was with us. We've got some of his. Should we listen to what, what his experience was? A highlight of Roth, firstly, I think, to finish. But then I think what makes Roth really special is, is just the support. Hundreds of thousands of spectators and people calling your name and everyone wanting to give you high fives. It really is special. I mean, it keeps the spirits high. And then the hardest part... Definitely for me, it was the run. Getting off a bike, you've just done 180 k's and then to think that, well, now I have to do a full marathon, it's pretty hard. Towards the end of the run, really yeah, from kilometer 30, when you get back into the town of Roth, you hit a little bit of cobbles through the town and then there's the final hill up and back. And I think that sort of really is uh, takes a lot of effort out of you. Also, I think at the same time, it's the final stretch and there's so much support. Everyone is shouting. So what was nice was really going with a lot of attackers. We stayed at the same venue. Every night we ate together, advice from those who have done distance or long distance triathlons before. I think we were four participants that had never done one before. So a really good mix, great camaraderie between everyone. Stories before breakfast the next morning afterwards, and it just, you know, there's war stories again. I think that was, that's really special. There's someone there that you can share it with. Yeah, I think we're all agreed on that. That hell was really the, the killer. <sighs> I, yeah, cursed the route design so many times at that point. He said something about the, you know, then you've got, you know, this marathon to do at the end. This is something that I sort of reframed in my head before the event. And I would recommend if others can do it is there's this sort of thing. There's this thing like a marathon is a thing. It's a marathon, oh, but it's a marathon. Yeah, but, oh, but but marathon, this word, this thing, oh, but a marathon is far. And don't get me wrong, a marathon is far. But I sort of started to reframe it and said, well, it's just 42K. It's like doing a long run, a long training run, whatever. Stop thinking about it being this thing, this this marathon. And actually that really helped me. It was just counting. That was why I think I said before, I want them to count down the miles, not count uh, the kilometers, <laughs> yeah. not count up. But I'll tell you what I've done. I never actually told you guys. I ripped my number into eight, at the bottom of the number, I ripped eight little pieces. And every 5K, I ripped a, one, tore one of these little pieces off and I split it up into eight, five, uh, K's and well one the, the last one was a 7k and I forgot to rip it off and that's what I've done I just split it up into 8 5k's and then yeah. you know and I forgot sometimes and I'm at like yeah, whatever it was I'm at like 26k and I was like oh I forgot to rip it off and I'd rip, tear this little thing off and that really helped I sort of got away from this notion that it's a marathon like a marathon is yeah. a thing 
because you also get a lot of people in training who are like, but I've never run a marathon, <laughs> you know, like, and it's, it's such a different thing anyway. Like starting 42 Ks after exercising for anything from like six to eight hours yeah. before you even start, it's a different thing entirely. Yeah. Even though the distance, it's just like the distance happens to be the same, right? Yeah. The, but it's a different thing and it makes it sound cooler. Sure. When you're telling your friends that, you know, you, you've, swam 4k cycled 180k and then done a marathon like, it sounds cool but it, it's a different thing entirely to like doing a fresh marathon and like it's not to make it easier but you're also not doing it at the intensity that you would do a, a fresh marathon even if you're not particularly fast runner you're still running it a lot slower and it's still an attritional kind of keep one foot going in front of the other really in an Ironman rather than like looking at pace so much and, you know, for the vast majority of people anyway. Do you think it would help you if they counted down the kilometers or would it not make one dif- one bit of difference for you? wouldn't make a difference nah, to me. For me, There's totally too much would. time out there. I don't know, just in my head, I'd love to see it go 42, 41, 40, you know, 40. thing is really interesting how I've worked because everyone's got their own sort of Strategy. mental... yeah. Yeah, and, and essentially it's just to take yourself away from what's happening, right? Anything Be as distracted you. as you can almost, those things. So I, I'm a count, like I count my footsteps and I'm counting down from a certain thing or, but I, I do count down my footsteps, I guess. So maybe I do so want do the, eight, the counting like, down. Yeah, I'll count up. If I, if I count to eight or count to four, I, I go faster if I'm doing fours versus eights, I've noticed. Um, so I know another one of our club mates, uh, Sebastian, he was there and let's hear how his... Let's hear what his experience of Roth was. Our biggest highlight for me is the athlete experience, uh, the organisation around the event, uh, the care and attention that's that's taken for the athletes, uh, making sure they've got everything they need, making sure of safety on the course. That to me was just a, a, an incredible experience. The, how quickly they adapted also to the weather conditions, having ice and water on the course, you know, when they knew it was going to be hot, road sweeping the, the bike course to make sure it was safe and free from any debris, the aid stations, the volunteering, and then just the atmosphere of the event with, with so many participants and spectators and volunteers. It was really quite overwhelming just to have so many people cheering everybody on, uh, including yourself. So uh, for anyone arriving, it's it's really quite breathtaking. And then the rest of it is around planning. If you haven't done a long-distance triathlon before, speak to coaches, speak to people who can help you plan and prepare for an event like this. It just doesn't happen like that you need to obviously train for for it um and then you 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 need to prepare all the elements around it uh your nutrition hydration how you feel on the day and yeah trying very hard not to get sucked into what other athletes are doing and the expo and all the uh, trimmings that go along i've always thought triathlon is is a is a mind game from start to finish and, and i don't think this was any different especially when it comes to long distance you know you really want to make sure that You've got everything you need for the race and, and there's always an element of unknown, unknown on the course, unknown what nutrition and hydration is out there, if it's going to work for you, if it's not, what weather conditions are going to be like. It's really a mind game. Resisting temptation at the expo to buy something new for the race itself, which you know you should never do. Yeah, trying to figure out at, uh, when you're checking in your bike, have you done everything you need to? Have your check-in bags got everything they need in them? And you're constantly looking at other athletes and what they're doing and wondering if you should do the same. But you've really just got to stick to your plan and stick to your train, what you've trained on, because that's what will happen on race day. If you haven't trained it, then it won't happen. Yeah, that's probably the hardest part is that mental element. And then the first sort of 10 or 15 minutes of the race is realizing what's ahead of you is mentally extremely challenging because once you get into a rhythm and you get into a flow and you're actually into the race itself, it's actually fairly straightforward. 
Right, so I wanted to get your... We called it the hot take. I want to get your take on something, try and get away from our races in Roth. I mean, what happened at Roth, the men's world record long distance was broken. Uh, sorry, the women's and, and the men's is largely to believe to have been broken. It's it's not official, I think, because the official men's record was on a downstream swim, but it's now largely understood that the men's was also broken at Roth. This was uh, Magnus Dietlev and Daniela Reef. Yeah, Reef. Uh, she's from Switzerland, right? Yes. Magnus is from Denmark. Yeah. Probably saw them at the finish line. They probably said hello to me. I wouldn't have known anybody. They probably bought you a beer. (laughs) (laughs) So they broke broke the world record and largely believed because they upped, tell us about this, they upped their swim game. They they were able to sort of keep, keep up whereas before they were lagging a bit on the swim side. Now, we're talking about pros here, so that's relatively yeah. lagging. So both of them are probably quite similar in that they're both predominantly known as, like, uber bikers. And so you see, like, Reef, for example, like obviously she's a legend. She's won five world titles yeah. across uh, Ironman and 70.3. She's usually a sort of second or third pack swimmer. She'll lose, well, they say second pack swimmer. She won't be all the way down which some some of the like really great bike runners can be but she compared to someone like lucy charles who's obviously a super swimmer she could well be like five minutes down from there six minutes down even with that second pack or in an ironman that typically means that she's gonna have to make that time up before she can start putting time in because while she's a really good steady runner she's not a super runner either like an annie haug who roth ran a the 244, I think it was, wow. which for a female run is just just crazy. Oh, no. 244 on that course with those hills and stuff as well. But she's not that. She's a 250-ish runner kind of thing. So still brilliant, obviously, you know, but <laughs> I was she's having to put in so much work on the bike to get there. But yeah, last weekend, she was the only person that swam on uh, Fenella Language's feet. And Fenella Language is known to be one of the better swimmers in the sport. Maybe not Lucy Charles, but she's... Not far off. She'll be in in a couple of people, sort of uh, Lauren Brandon, Fenella Language. They'll be as close as you get to Lucy Charles sort of thing without being Lucy Charles. So she swam on her feet. So that meant she's starting the bike ride at zero. You know, she's not behind. She's not at a deficit. So Reef was just every pedal stroke was just getting further and further away and stretching her lead. And she absolutely obviously rode a cracking bike leg. And then sort of held up with a really good solid run, say like as you'd expect. So yeah, the question is like whether she can like has she is this something that's just happened overnight and she sort of all of a sudden improved her swim because if she does, like it's really I think probably game over for Kona this year in yeah. that it's such a strong person's bike ride. Yeah, she can really like if she can get off within two minutes or something of of two, three minutes of uh, Lucy Charles, which is probably where language would swim. She'll be reaching that sort of halfway point instead of, you know, 150K. And normally she only has 30K, say, to put into the the front swimmers or the the good swim bikers. But um, this time she'll have maybe 90K to put in distance into them. And the same pretty much with Magnus. Like he's, he doesn't come from a triathlon background in the same way. Like Daniela Reef was a uh, ITU athlete. So she went to the Olympics. London, I think, but he doesn't. He comes from a just a sort of amateur athlete background. He's also obviously, very young, isn't he? Like Twenty-four cyclist. Or yeah, only 24, 25. But the same thing. So he's always been working at his his uh, swimming, and he used to be sort of. I mean, his improvements incredible. The swim, considering it's such a hard thing to improve at as a sort of adult onset swimmer, you know. So he was a sort of third pack, and then he 
found himself quite comfortably on the second pack. And this time there was quite a big front pack, but that front pack had Sam Laidlow, Ben Canute, who else? There's a couple of other guys who are as fast as anything in, in the water. You know, the, the, no one swims away from them. They're the front pack in yeah. world champs in any big race. And he, he's, and yeah, Magnus swam in, in that pack that again meant that he didn't have to make the deficit. Usually he's got a deficit. He's got to make up and he'll, rip his legs off for 30, 50 K put in a huge, put in like 440 Watts for 20 minutes or something stupid to get on a par with them. Then maybe settle in for a little bit to recover. And then he's got, then he's starting to build his lead. And again, he's a solid, well, actually more than a solid runner. He's, he's, he's become a much better runner. He's not a Patrick Langer kind of runner. He's who again, record at the weekend, but Patrick Langer ran 230 dead pretty much. And Ironman marathon, which is insane again on that and that course, which we know wasn't easy. So you reckon Connor could may well be over already? <laughs> well, well, this time around, like, cause uh, the men's niece, uh, but if Magnus can swim like that and come out with, yeah, the front pack and he's just really rounded now and so young and getting better all the time. So, I mean, smart money's on them. The only thing they'd say is that was it because it's such an easy swim that they were able to stay up there because niece and Kona are both going to be sea swims. And so when you get a bit of swell and yeah, it's not, it's less easy to find the group. You can't just like, you can kind of navigate Roth just by breathing one side and looking to the side, right? Like you just maintain a few meters to the, to the wall and you're going straight really. So it's, it's much easier to navigate. So the question is whether they can swim that way in, in sort of a rougher open water swim. When is in that way, when is corner? Both uh, September, October. That'll be interesting to see. Yes, yeah, so they've definitely put down the markers. I think they'll be the favourites going into the world champs. So we're almost at the end. I think one other thing we were going to talk about is just training material. What have you been watching? What have you been reading? What's been making you faster or better, Trea? I think mostly distracting us, right? Or distracting, <laughs> yeah. yeah. What podcast you've been listening to or something? I think the, one of the things we used to do in, in sort of the previous incarnation is just yeah. sort of run through a few things that have been... Yeah, either attracting us like I listen to on the run or yeah, while spending hours on the turbo trainer or out on the bike. I don't miss the turbo trainer at the moment. That's that's one thing I'm not missing. No. We've had some cracking weather here lately. So it yeah, been nothing but outdoor riding, which has been good. Yeah, do you have anything that's uh through my training I was just getting sick of podcasts and sick of watching T V shows and stuff. So I've not I've been I've not been watching much, but YouTube has been suggesting to me because I was obviously watching a lot with this uh, poor five uh, people that perished in that small submersible so it, YouTube has been giving me lots of Titanic history videos which I've been quite enjoying actually so very <laughs> bizarre bit of a change of pace yeah nothing to do with triathlon it's just YouTube telling me what it thinks I like and it's got it spot on again so I've been watching a lot of that it's really fascinating I often will listen to like triathlon podcasts or watch like a couple of like you know pro videos and stuff but it's really weird like this week after finishing Roth I'm like I just don't want anything to do with it. I'm kind of like on detox. I'm like anything else, any other sport. The problem I have with the pro sort of triathlon type stuff or training is it's like reading men's health. There's so many conflicting stories for everything that you, you read or see. So I tend to try and steer away from it, especially coming up to an event because then you just start, it starts to throw the seeds. Yeah, overthinking down. it. What are you watching then or listening? Uh, well, I, I put down a podcast because um, there's a BBC series called Death of a Pirate about the death of 
the stories surrounding the death of Marco Pantani, the uh, the, the, the Italian cyclist who died in the yeah, 90s. I won't spoil it, but in interesting circumstances, if you're into cycling, you'll know full well, but he was a real sort of darling of Italian cycling, real character, climbed like nothing on earth, mostly stood up. Um, really uh, throughout all the climbs, but really good documentary. And it's, it's made by like, a couple of the people that do the interview and the comedians, which bring it kind of a nice lighter touch, I guess, but it's, it's a good listen. So I don't think about half the season's out now. So it's a, yeah, good to listen to while you're out on the bike or out on a run. Good story. And it's obviously Tour de France time right now. So relevant. All right. So on that, we're going to finish up next month. We're going to have Anna on, as I said earlier. So we'll hear all about her and her uh, double. As if Iron Man isn't long enough, we're going to go longer <laughs> next time. It's not always going to be about super long stuff. I guarantee it. <laughs> I think after listening to Anna's story, that'll put me off any uh, long distance stuff. So we'll be back next month then. Until then, we'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>